Welcome once again to Three Gens Theology. It is great to be back with you once again. And uh, we are finishing up pneumatology today. Glad to have you joining us. We have talked through uh, this area of theology and have a few more things to finish up before we uh, move on uh, to another area. So looking forward to this, uh, these questions today that we're going to uh, wrap up with and uh, hope that you find um, benefit in it. It is our goal to come alongside to encourage you in your walk with Christ uh, to both give you information that gives you a better foundation, but also in that information to encourage you in your relationship uh, with God um, so that you can live in a way that is more confident in that relationship with Him. Let's start with prayer. Father, thank you for our time together today. May you be honored as we uh, discuss these things. Lord, give us accuracy in what we say, that we would say what is true about you uh, and true about the uh, the word that you've given us. Uh, Lord, help us as we discuss these things, that we'd be an encouragement uh, in the lives. Thank you for this time we have. Thank you for our generations here, Lord, that you have called us as your children and then called us to serve. What a privilege it is. Thank you for this time in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, uh, as I think about coming to the end of pneumatology, which has been a tremendous study. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I hope every all of our listeners have as well. I think that there are several important questions that remain to be asked and discussed by us before we move on. And that in part is because of the fact that pneumatology, like every other doctrine, is taught and lived out around the world in a variety of cultures in a variety of ways. And among those things that we find happening on the world, the global level, if you will, is that there are some very clear teachings related to the Holy Spirit that aren't being emphasized. And there are some very fuzzy relationships between the Holy Spirit and lives and other spirits that are being emphasized. And so I think it might be a good thing for us today to take a little bit of time to kind of wrap up our discussion by thinking about some of these. The first one, uh, I would put this way, is the Holy Spirit a person or an experience? And I ask the question that way based upon the fact that in many cases the charismatic uh, movement has emphasized the experience aspect of being a person related to the Holy Spirit. Um, how would you express your understanding of that question? Is the Holy Spirit, now granted, and I'm going to make this statement before we get started with it, it's very dangerous for us to always put things in a duality (laughs) to say it's either this or it's that. And I don't mean to have an excluded middle or anything else in this discussion. What I do want us to keep in mind, though, is that there can be ways in which one or the other orientation may miss the other side. And there may be a better way for us to understand it than the dichotomy that I started with. The experience side plays itself out 
differently around the world. Um, the I have little experience with most of it around the world, but the mm -hmm. the the more um, more tribal culture would buy into the um, mysticism of the Holy Spirit and see the experience, uh, the power, um, much like Simon the sorcerer in the scripture, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The um, the native the the South American might tie Catholicism in with um, some of the uh, pagan worship that would be there. So they tie things in differently. Mm -hmm. So I, I would be interested in your multicultural explanation of some of that because I know that's le legitimate. In a Western culture, it is that experience, though, still that is misunderstood that people are are drawn away from the truth into I felt this power, mm -hmm. I had this experience, I I you know I I felt uh, I saw someone else have this experience I and and they it, it walks away from the actual truth of who the Holy Spirit is. So in the scripture we have him descending like a dove we have him falling uh, with tongues we have him uh, proceeding with great power and the, those things are seen and used as descriptors mm -hmm. but there is no way from the scriptures that you can't get away from the Holy Spirit being a person the third person of the Trinity that does operate with power that is experienced mm -hmm. but he is a person and not um, and so I, th I think the problem with the focus is it becomes it becomes me that's I think I typically think that's where the problem is and it is like Simon the sorcerer that that how can I have that power mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and you miss the specialness because yes when you believe you get the Holy Spirit, who has the power, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. But, That's right. But if you're, if what you want is I want the power, you've missed it because it's the specialness of of having the Holy Spirit of God uh, in union with you. That's the specialness, yeah. and then the resource of what He deems as good and his resource of power to accomplish that. So I think it's the selfishness side or even the narcissism side often that gets in the way. Mm. Um, and then the, I, also the, the I can show that I have the spirit side, which sometimes is narcissism and sometimes is... I, Everybody tells me I got to show that I have the spirit. I got to do this and that and show that I have it. And so it's a, it's not so much narcissism, but still it's selfish. It's still yeah. showing that I 
am up to par. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I think in the Western culture, that's where that experience um, is a problem. I, I think I, I think I, I think what I'm going to, what my thoughts on this will, will bolster your, what you said. The, I think there's, as we talked about Western culture, I think there also is the, uh, like other cultures. Uh, so we think about uh, Hispanic culture has like Day of the Dead, right? There's other cultures have, uh, you talked about, um, you know, like tribal, they, they have ways that they communicate about spirit, about ghost, you know, uh, and, and we don't necessarily have that. Uh, and so I think that's even a weirder one where we try to, uh, even as we try to put words together to describe who the Holy Spirit is, I think we just culturally, we don't have as much hmm. logical progression on how to communicate that. So I think that's where we almost go back to, and this is where, as we you, you said this, of how we communicate about it is self-centered, right? As we communicate with the Holy Spirit, it is experiential that mm. I, I was in this church service and I experienced the Holy Spirit. Oh, I, I was here and I, and I felt the Holy Spirit. Right. And so just how we communicate the Holy Spirit just leads, we might not even be intentionally referring to it as experiential, but the way that we try to communicate who the Holy Spirit is, we put ourselves in the center of it. Cause that's how we know to do because we're really good at being self-centered and we talk about the experiential side of the Holy Spirit. And so I think it's an interesting, um, I think that's a whole interesting level as well. Just how we, I think how we've learned to communicate about the Holy Spirit has changed our theological progression of how we communicate about the, about the Holy Spirit. If that, if that makes yeah, sense. That, that makes sense. And really what we're talking about here is a a number of elements, all of which are very important. I think what you both have said concerning the individualistic uh, aspect of how I experience the Holy Spirit, or my experience of the Holy Spirit is like this, or this is what I did, or what I saw, or my church has done. This all comes back to the question that we frequently find ourselves talking about, and that is experience-based faith, experience-based religion, Mm -hmm. experience-based anything that is uh, uh, spiritual in nature. There's another aspect to it, and that is something you brought up at the beginning, Dan, and that is how do we take the language of the New Testament into our lives today? Do we see that what the Holy Spirit did in the book of Acts, for example, is something that we should see as our experience now? If the answer is yes, then we should expect to see the Holy Spirit doing the full gamut of what he did in the book of Acts in the church today. So churches that say we believe in all of the various things the Holy Spirit does, our church believes in healings, we believe in, you know, and, and they go down the list. They see themselves as being more biblical than churches that say we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, but we don't have all of these experiences. We're not looking for them all. They say, well, you don't have them because you're not looking for them. Then there's another level, and that's the whole, um, where 
does spiritual power come from level? And that goes back to something you said, Sai, because if we look at cultures where there is a belief in spirits, where there's a belief, and, and it's important for us to try to put ourselves into a worldview in which there is no distinction made between the level of ancestors and spirits and my everyday life. There is no distinction made in my thinking between the supernatural and the natural. It's all one. We have got to understand that there are many, many cultures in the world living like that every day. And we, in our Western way of thinking, have a tendency to separate the supernatural from the natural, the spiritual level from the physical level. Uh, and as a result of that, it's easy for us to say, well, all that experiential stuff is, is coming from another source. Or maybe it's just a misunderstanding of what the spiritual power is supposed to be. But there are many within, uh, I'll give you an example, the largest church in the world uh, in South Korea is pastored by a man who has taught for decades that what we need to do is to go into the spiritual level with the absolute confidence that we are going to get what we ask for and we will receive it. But it's because it comes from this spiritual level where we need to be, a level that is up here where all spirits are there. I think that when we're talking about the experience of the Holy Spirit, Regardless of where we are in the world, it basically comes down to the question of, as you said, how do we talk about that? How do we discuss what it is that the Holy Spirit is doing? I, I knew, a, I knew a, a man, met him at a, at a large meeting one time, who was a professor down in, uh, at Dallas. And we were talking about the charismatic movement and he said he was leaving Dallas. And I said, oh, why are you doing that? And he said, well, because I have decided I'm going to become a Pentecostal. I'm going to become a charismatic. And my first question was, well, what made you decide to make that change? And he said, all the experiences that I'm seeing out there that I can't explain. So there again, experience becomes a measure. Is the lack of a certain kind of experience or the presence of a certain kind of experience an indication that the Holy Spirit is more powerfully working there or is not working. Yeah, yeah I, th I think the... A lot of conservative cessationist churches, right, um, have certainly walked away from any kind of spirit power mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and in order to be safe from a wrong teaching of of uh, of wrong uh, there there have wrong expectations of the spirit to avoid wrong expectations of the spirit <laughs> <laughs> and right. and um, certainly the spirit can still do whatever 
he deems as good, right? Because um, he's God. He because can, he's he, a person, he, he is God. He's God. He can do yes. whatever he deems as good. Um, uh, but w- I think the real, I think the real damage is done. Anytime somebody has a wrong understanding of Scripture, it's bad, mm-hmm. right? But I think the real damage is done in people's lives when they live, when they live expectation to expectation mm-hmm. and are confident in God and not confident in God, confident in God and not confident in God, confident in God and not confident in God. And they're on this ridiculous roller coaster because all they're doing is looking at the experience of life as though God loves them, he doesn't love them. He loves them, he doesn't love them. He's answering them, he's not answering them. He's, you know what I mean? It's, it's, and it is taught in this experience-searching way mm-hmm. um, that is so unhealthy. God's love for them is constant. It is unwavering. It is unfaltering. Um, the Spirit's work in uh, a believer's life, he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He, he's not walking away from you. The days that I feel distant from God is not because he's walked away. It it could be that I've walked away from him mm-hmm. or that I just don't feel that today. Yeah. And it's okay for me not to feel that today. It doesn't change his love for me or his concern for me at all. And so I think that's the real danger, um, the real... Um, um, desperately harmful part of this teaching is that you you amplify this experience searching day by day in people's lives with the constant attack from our culture saying, is God really there? Is God really there? Is God really there? Is God really there? Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. multiply those and you have... Um, even more people walking away from God altogether because they don't see the experience happening. Right. And they're being told by our culture, he's not really there. Mm-hmm. And neither of those are true. No. Right. And so I, I think that's where the the desperate harm is done in, uh, in, in general believers' lives. I, any misunderstanding of Scripture is harmful, right? I'm, I'm not saying that not that anything's not har- not bad, but it it plays itself out so uh, damaging in people's lives if they're living experience to experience to experience mm-hmm. to experience, mm-hmm. um, and it it ends up being such a harmful teaching to say that uh, we can, um, you know, um, that we can tame the devil in in you know and we can spiritual warfare spiritual you yeah. know that yeah. we have control right that i can right. unleash spiritual control in this and i can do this and i can have that and i can have experience that's such a de- i do have the spirit in me and he is greater than who's in the world right, I, right? I, that is all true but when when tomorrow's got to be good or i didn't have enough faith mm-hmm. or I mean, Paul was in prison. Paul got whipped, right? I mean, did he not have enough faith? You know, he did. He, he had plenty of tomorrows that were not good. Sure. You know? And I think that 
what we're talking about here is crucial to the Christian life. Yeah. Because if, if I am expecting or demanding that I be given a power that is not mine to have, that's dangerous. Right. If, if I demand of God that he give me freedom or deliverance or a lack of death or whatever it might be, um, my demands of God are exceeding what the Scripture allows. And because of that, my faith is going to be based on whether God answers those commands that I give him mm-hmm. or uh, that I have the ability to accomplish things that I am not promised in the Scripture. If the Scriptures give me the assurance that I have the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit in me, that he is leading me, that he is teaching me, that he's guiding me, that he's my comforter, my help, my strength. Um, Those things are taken into my life and experience, not by 75 proofs, but by my absolute confidence in the God who is working in me. I take on mentally, I agree with what the Scripture teaches, and that's where the Holy Spirit then gives me the comfort and the confidence and the assurance that I am God's child and that I have what I need. Yeah. I typically am not one who wants to go attack Pentecostal churches. You know what I mean? I no, think I, I think either. there are plenty of things to attack <laughs> to attack with falsehood, uh, but I do find um, I, I do find it it frustrating and and what is so bad when a church teaches that you you should be having these experiences or you're not really close to God. Mm-hmm. It is so demoralizing to Christian growth. Um, and I think people just give up. They give up grow the idea of growth yeah. um, because they think, well, I just can't. I'm not. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not good enough. Um, and and um, I, I find that so frustrating. Um, in in defeating for so many. People. It is defeating. It is defeating, and it's it's it pushes people away. But f- for the. Uh, for the record, and it's important for us to say this, as, as you mentioned, the Pentecostal churches, uh, the greatest movement within Christianity today and missions is taking place within Pentecostal churches yeah. because they are trusting God, they are trusting Christ. And this really brings up another question, and that's the question of who is the Holy Spirit supposed to be emphasizing? Is the Holy Spirit supposed to be emphasizing himself? Or is he supposed to be emphasizing Christ? Where we see him emphasizing Christ, we see thousands and thousands of churches being established where all the emphasis and the, uh, the discussion and conversation and attention is on what the Holy Spirit can do through me. Now, let me stop and make this one provisional statement, and it goes back to something you said earlier, Dan. The Holy Spirit can do whatever he determines it is his will to do. Mm-hmm. And there are times that under the will of God, incredible miracles 
take place in this world. God does do miraculous things. The difference between what we're talking about now and what God can and will do is the difference between what does God make me able to do and what is God able to do through me. It's a huge difference. Well, if you look at the book of Acts, you do see uh, glaring examples of the Spirit being highlighted, mm-hmm. right? You, you certainly do. Um, and, but the entire intent of the Spirit being highlighted is that it's confirming the message of the Messiah who had just died. Right. <laughs> it, is the, it, is, it is confirming the truth of these um, apostles who are sharing that Jesus of Nazareth is the one. He's God. He's right. I mean, so yes. it, it is a, a particularly highlighted time of the Spirit's work being seen. Yes. But the, uh, even then, the entire point of it is to confirm that Jesus is the Christ. Right. And so even at the what we would see as the, uh, the pinnacle of the Spirit's focal work, it still is to confirm the truth that Jesus is the Christ. Yes. Uh, and so... As Jesus said, when he is come... He will speak of me. Yeah. And that's what he did all the way through the book of Acts. He confirmed, as you said, that Jesus was the Christ, as he said he right. was. So that's where the out-of-balance thing uh, really is a problem. And, I, and that's where the out-of-balance, um, that's why that's why conservative, conservative is not the right word, but that's why churches that don't want to highlight the Holy Spirit on his own are right to object to it, but we have excluded the Holy Spirit. Yes, often way too much. Right, we have excluded the person and work of the Holy Spirit uh, to our detriment as Amen. well. Right. Now we are told in Scripture that we are to test the spirits. That it is important for us to be aware of whether the work that is taking place is a work of the Holy Spirit or another spirit. This is sort of a segue, if you will, into what we're going to begin to talk about in our next podcast, and that is spirit beings. But the question that I have for us is, are there times when we may be seeking to find a work of the Holy Spirit in the work of other spirits. And let me give you an example of that. If you are in a culture, for example, where there has always been a teaching that there are presences, spirit presences, that are um, active in their society, in their culture, and there's a supreme spirit uh, force that is at work in their culture. And then we bring in the teachings of the scriptures, teaching about the Holy Spirit and teaching about angels and other teachings like that. And there's an immediate transference over to that culture's perspective on spirit beings. 
Is there a danger that somehow the Holy Spirit can be misidentified as some kind of a spirit leader among evil spirits rather than a good spirit? And how would we go about making sure that that mistake doesn't take place? I think what Cy was talking about, even with the, the, the idea of the Day of the Dead, that there is a, a union of... Um, there's more of a union with spiritual forces mm-hmm. outside of the Western culture. Um, as you were talking about in a, in a Eastern culture, there is a much more much more unified idea with ancestral worship, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and so, spirit beings, right? And spirit right. beings. So that that um, having. Even the word spirit is misidentified Mm -hmm. in those. And I think that even comes into our culture where we have people who are spiritual. Yes. (laughs) Right? And and they try to attach that to Christian thought Mm -hmm. often where they're, 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 it's like they're saying they're goody. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're nice. They're, they're spiritual. Um, but it really has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. And there's another example that's very common within our country that goes back to our Native American culture. Right. And that is they frequently speak of the Great Spirit. And this is not an unusual teaching. It's found many places throughout the world. But right. that's the kind of thinking that I'm right. addressing yeah. with this question. Because if we just blithely go in and say, in order for us to be able to have a good relationship with the people of this community, let's just identify the Holy Spirit with the Great Spirit. What's the difference between that and having Jesus identified with the Great Ancestor in in another culture? The, The danger that's there is that we are actually selling the truth of what the Holy Spirit really is for the sake of developing a relationship that will not necessarily be spiritually helpful to the people we're ministering to. Yeah, well, obviously there are... Most false religions and just people's understanding of religion has many of the same words, mm-hmm. and uh, they mean completely different things. Right. Uh, and so it is very important to um, t- test is is what the scriptures say, but the right. the idea to to um, itemize exactly what it is that you're saying when you say spirit, mm-hmm. or when you're talking about particular truths, um, and I think that's a really important thing. So I think in the Western culture, even though we don't have that oneness with a spirit world, world yeah. um, there is a connection to that separate spirit world that we understand, but it does become homogenized, yeah. and the Holy Spirit is part of that, but often muddied. 
Yeah. Right. Mud, muddied, I think. Um, people want to act like it's some, sometimes they talk about the spirit world like it's scary. And sometimes they talk about spiritism like it's good, but rarely defined. I, I would think that's a typical yeah. spirits, spiritual thought, right? And, and, right. and we, we want to speak of the spirit and being spiritual much more distinctly. Yeah. Anything, Cy, there from that, that Day of the Dead or any of that that, that yeah, no, I fits agree. there? Yeah. I agree with what you guys are saying. I, I don't feel like I have a, uh, any, any great <laughs> thoughts to add there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think, Cy... Si, I would just muddy it. Yeah, you just... <laughs> <laughs> well, if we could climb out of the mud, yeah. as we probably have created some. Because um, there, there are... There are uh, there's a lot of misunderstandings about, which we're going to get to, about spirits, yes. ghosts, and all that kind of stuff. But, but I think the um, just the word itself in our language makes it challenging. Yeah, and it, it makes it challenging in so many other languages because whenever you translate words that relate to a spirit being into another language, there's always the very real possibility that the term that will be used in translation is going to be part of that whole system of right. belief right. concerning other spirits. Yep. So. If if we could sort of bring a, so a since closure since to it's, all of since this. it's pneumatology, maybe we should have translated it "holy breath" instead, right? We should <laughs> have right. "holy," right? It's holy wind. Holy wind, right? But we so, are we like are concerned. Yeah, something. We're concerned as we as we draw this to a close. I think, guys, that that one thing that we leave with our our listeners is that. The Holy Spirit is a wonderful part of our Christian experience. And that the more our fellowship with, with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit grows, the greater that fellowship becomes, the more spiritually attuned we are to what the Spirit wants, what the Son wants, and what the Father wants. And that that closeness to the Lord is what we desire for you just as we desire it for ourselves. It's so easy, the longer you know the Lord, to go onto autopilot and live as though you were living out all of these spiritual things that the scriptures talk about, all of this relationship with the Lord, all the prayer, all the Bible study, the, the walking with the Lord that we talk about, that all of that is discussed but not experienced. And that's a dangerous situation for a Christian to be in. Yeah. We do want to have the realization of God's work in our lives in a very wonderful and positive way. Yeah, I, yeah. I think the, I think we can avoid the word experience even because it's so much used in this area. But relationship is really important there. I think the absolutely um, it, it is an experience. But I think the relationship is is so important to focus on, um, and uh, knowing that you can be confident that if you are a believer in Christ, that the Holy Spirit continues to work in you. Um, 
whether you want him to or not. Right? You That's you right. you can you can limit <clears throat> what he does in you, which is not healthy for you, not good for you. Uh, but he will continue to work in you. Um, and you then, on the flip side of that, if you would cooperate, you could have a f- full and vibrant relationship Absolutely. Uh, with, with him yeah. and how good that is. Well, that's our goal is to encourage that in your walk is uh, to have a full and open relationship with the Father, with the Son, with the Spirit, and uh, to only have that be then uh, fully played out in your life. See, I, I didn't uh, use the word experienced. Uh, fully played <laughs> out in your life <laughs> uh, day by day. Uh, and, and, then, uh, and then we do grow in that uh, um, different um, individual areas of life mm-hmm. so that we do over time see growth but and maturity and maturity right but yeah. it's not like it's not like well if i'm really spiritual then tomorrow i'll be perfect and t- the next day i'll be perfect um we we certainly don't encourage you to sin but uh, we grow in maturity over time right grow in maturity over time because the spirit keeps working on us well there we go uh we have concluded our study of the holy spirit and uh, hope that over these several um podcasts that we have answered some questions. If you do have questions, feel free to um, to contact us. You can leave a um, comment on uh, a couple of different of the podcast sites. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a different email address. We've been having some problems with my email. I'll give you my personal email address. It is haydendan1 at gmail.com. H-A-Y-D-E-N-D-A-N-1 at gmail.com. HaydenDan1 at gmail.com. Love to hear from you if you have any uh, comments or questions. And uh, always encourage you to ask away. We'd love to answer them. So have a a great week. And uh, do walk uh, together in cooperation with what the Spirit wants in your life. Amen.